Thank you, Chris. Are we, are we back? <laughs> <laughs> he gets paid by the second, correct, for each one of those things. Anyway, <laughs> the best were the the Sedano show, the, the sort of, you know, first incarnation of the Sedano show rejoins were literally 14 minutes long. Yeah. I mean, you would, the, listen, to, you would listen to the rejoin and go to break. The early Sedano show was really the Morales show. Right. Like, there was very little Sedano involved in the Sedano show. It was all Chris. Was, and then, you know, here, thanks to the Sedano show, we'll be back next with more. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, the Lakers. It's like got- the way, you know, the movie Dunkirk was one big technical achievement where right. you didn't know who any of the characters were. <laughs> that was the early incarnation of, uh, of the of Sedano show. show. Um, it's a technical the, achievement. The radio. Lakers got together yesterday in El Segundo for the first time since the death of Kobe Bryant. Um, not something that was a, a, a full media day. That is actually happening today, a regular practice day uh, with media following. But um, the process of what comes next and what the Lakers do uh, following the death of Kobe Bryant over the weekend began really yesterday. Uh, Bill Oram reported on it for The Athletic. He joins us right now. Bill, thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me, guys. So, kind of, can you kind of give us just the the sort of the rundown of what Tuesday was in El Segundo? Yeah, so, I mean, the Lakers really hadn't been together as a team since their plane landed back in LA on Sunday. After um, obviously they've, they've been in Philadelphia, emotional night as LeBron passed Kobe Bryant, and on their flight home, obviously they learned about um, about uh, Kobe's death, and so they part ways on Sunday and. And they really don't get together again as a team until Tuesday. You know, it was supposed to be a game day. They were supposed to play the Clippers. Obviously, that was postponed. And so the Lakers brought them in for a, you know, kind of an informal uh, shooting session, light practice, and a team lunch. And they got there, and it was a, um, obviously, I mean, you can imagine the emotions in that room. Um, Frank Vogel was emceeing. Rob Polinka um, spoke to the team for the first time. And, you know, really it was this opportunity for, you know, this, this this attempt at healing from this thing that, you know, nobody feels like they can heal from. And so LeBron speaks, Dwight Howard speaks, uh, assistant coaches speak, Frank Vogel's the MC. He shows, you know, different video clips of LeBron, Le- 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 LeBron's commercials, you know, some lighter hearted um, moments uh, to kind of try to bring some catharsis to the group. And it, it, it you know, I mean, those who were there, you know, feel like it was just a necessary first step in trying to, you know, for this organization that is, you know, has has loved Kobe Bryant for 25 years and has been so dependent on him, if, you know, in his his presence um, to try to move forward somehow and and start playing basketball games again starting on Friday. Yeah, I mean, I know this may be a hard question to answer because even the people involved may not quite know, but do you have a sense of just? broadly where the organization's heads at right now i mean i mean yeah i mean it's i mean it's very much in a state of grief um and you know attempting to make the to attend to the practical matters at hand how do you honor kobe like what does that look like on friday in staples center what do you do for the rest of the year what is what is the long-term vision for honoring him um how do you, how what does a basketball game look like? What do you do for your fans so that they are in a position to be able to come together at Staples Center on on Friday and grieve? Um, you know, these are all these are all considerations. And obviously, I think it's been reported elsewhere that the Lakers are being very sensitive to the Bryant family. 
they're trying to follow kind of Vanessa's lead on what, on how the, the family would want um, Kobe honored. And so that is just a very, obviously a very sensitive and um, painful process that they're working through very slowly. And I think, you know, the one thing that, you know, it, it seems impossible for the Lakers to really move forward from this, but time is a, is a real gift. And, and the Lakers with no game on Tuesday with that getting called off are able to, you know, take three extra days before Friday's game. And, and I think the hope is in that time they can come together as an organization and make a plan. But listen, I mean, this, this strikes hits home on so many levels within the Lakers organization. You have people who have been, have been with the team for, you know, since before Kobe was there, obviously the Lakers are an organization where the roots run generations deep and and um, on a personal note, I mean, it's Rob Palenka was not just the Lakers GM or just Kobe's agent. Um, you know, he viewed Kobe as his very best friend. His family vacationed with the Bryants. If you go back to um, Rob's introductory press conference as general manager in 2017, he told stories about going camping in Montana and with, with the Bryants. And I, by the way, would like to say that I called. BS on that. I texted Rob that day and said, I have a very hard time believing that you went camping with Kobe and Vanessa. And he wrote back, okay, fine. It was more like glamping. (laughs) So they they went, they went to Montana. They went to Montana, which (laughs) if you live in Newport beach, feels like camping, no matter what you do. Um, But um, Montana is roughing it in that situation, (laughs) that context. Um, I mean, so personally to, to someone like Rob Palenka, Kurt Rambis, who coached Kobe, obviously, off and on for a number of years. And Jeannie Buss, like, I, I just can't stop thinking about Jeannie and, and what she is going through, um, especially the month that she's had. If you remember, um, Jeannie's, you know, mother, Joanne, died in December. She was also very close with Commissioner Stern, who passed away at the start of the year, and now Kobe. So I just, I, I think, you know, my heart just really goes out to everyone over there because this is just a very 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 personal loss for them uh talking right now to bill Oram covers the lakers for the athletic um bill you're reporting you talked about how when frank vogel kind of opened up the floor at this luncheon to, to kind of talk and tell stories or whatever it might be there was sort of this moment of kind of awkward silence and then lebron james kind of stepped into that what what is lebron's kind of role do you think going forward how is he you know based on what you've been able to find out kind of handled that to you know to this point well from the way it's explained to me i mean the 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 quote that i had that um was from lebron and i thought was most poignant was he said um god gave me white i spoke to stressed that that was not him saying i'm going to put this organization on my back i'm going to put this team on my back and win and win this for kobe but it was him saying, I'm built for, for moments like this. I can lead. I can help us through this. Um, please, like, come with me on this journey. And, um, you know, I think the Lakers are, are very fortunate that they have a leader like LeBron James in their locker room right now because as, as, as uneven of a time as this is, LeBron is a very steadying force. He is a he is a guy who knows how to lead. He knows how to set an example. And so, you know, I think of all the times that we've heard Rob Palenka describe Kobe Bryant as a as a north star for the Lakers organization. Um, 
I think right now LeBron can be and needs to be a North Star for, for this for this team, for the 2019-20 Lakers who, you know, currently are the best team in the Western Conference and are trying to win a championship. So, um, you know, LeBron, I don't think LeBron's role in this can be overstated, but, like, there is a real opportunity for him to, you know, kind of be the driving force behind this effort to, to move forward. And I, I really am hesitant. I, I don't want to say move on because I don't know that there is really any moving on, but, you know, there is, you know, you know, but there's, there there's, be, there's there a season, games. right? There's there a season a to play. Deadline. There will be the playoffs. Yeah. That was going to be my next question because nobody wants to think about these things. Nobody, because it feels, you know, it feels inappropriate. It feels kind of ghoulish or that, but there is, I mean, Friday, they're going to start playing games again. They got to finish the rest of the season. There is the trade deadline coming up. There are the questions of like, do, do you, do you, how do you things think like this, does Kyle Kuzma fit in? They might sound mundane in the context of Kobe's death, but they're still important they all, questions. And, and the answer, may, what the, lies answer the answer may change. The answer of what you do in terms of adding and subtracting players, or you know, locker room chemistry, yeah. or whatever. May, all of these questions change. And do you think the Lakers are 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 able to? Are able to kind of deal with that stuff, like in, in, in the the the, the prep. What do you, what do you think happens going forward for the re- for the rest of the year? I realize it's a well, hard I question think, to answer. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought about it a lot, you guys. I mean, this is something that I think is it's just a very poignant question. How you know, how does anything matter again? Like how like I, I wrote this about this today, but that Lakers Clippers game that was supposed to be played last night felt so important the third time between two teams in L.A. trying to win a championship, you know, what could we glean from this? If they if the Lakers lost again, would they need to make a trade to improve the roster? It's really hard to think like that right now. And I think that, you know, time will help. I think that, um, you know, getting some games under their belt um, is going to help. There will be a return to whatever norm, normal is going to be going forward. Um, I think, you know, I... I, I I, I empathize with Laker fans, though, because for generations, you know, watching Laker games and seeing the purple and gold, you know, run up and down the floor was the relief, was, was the distraction from real life. It was the release. It was what distracted you from the things that might have been hurting in your life. And now watching the Lakers is going to be a reminder of what's hurting. And I think that that's just something, that's a process that everyone's going to have to work through in their own way and together. But I, I, listen, I mean, the NBA has started to, you know, kind of grind back into motion. You know, we've had three days of games now. I was told, you know, GMs are talking ahead of the trade deadline. The league is in mourning. There are tributes, you know, at every game. But, um, you know, the league is still moving forward because there's really no other choice. And eventually the Lakers will catch up. It'll be a longer more painful process for the Lakers and for this city, but there will be a time that, you know, we can talk about basketball as basketball, but it is months, if not years away. I mean, this, I mean, this just is, this is a tragedy that casts a, a, a shadow over everything else and will for a very long time. Bill Orm covers the Lakers for the athletic. Uh, he is, I'm assuming you're either in or, or heading the Lakers are, are to El Segundo. The Lakers are practicing today. We'll have, uh, their first pieces of, uh, you know, public media availability. So we'll look for your reports and, and from the entire, you know, Lakers beat crew later today. Thanks, Bill. Thank you, guys. And it's, I mean, I, 
I, I I'm I'm kind of happy not to be there. Like I don't I don't know if I need to be there for that. Like there's a lot going on today in El Segundo, and a lot of questions, and a lot of people are going to be put out in front of stuff. I'm I kind of happy to be here talking about talking about it rather than standing there asking the questions. Yeah. I mean, look, we're we're all part of you know the, this process in mm-hmm. terms of you know taking the fans through this. You know the being a part of the organization getting through this and actually you know coming up there's there's an element of this we were talking about you know this game friday uh between the lakers and the blazers it'll be the first time the lakers play and it will be at staples center um since kobe's death that i think is really important really positive we'll talk about that coming up next uh kamenetsky brothers 710 espn 710 ESPN, Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky with you uh, until noon. Uh, George Sedano and Ramona Shelburne coming up at noon to 3. Mason and Ireland after that. I believe Alan's on again tonight as well as uh, Dave Denholm, who is going to be uh, doing Soccer Weekly, kind of a special look at Kobe Bryant, who was, of course, just a massive soccer fan. Yeah, he actually uh, grew up uh, playing. I was going to say grew up playing soccer in Italy, and the footwork that he learned as a soccer player really ended up benefiting him as a basketball yeah. player. So uh, no question, that'll be just more great stuff coming all day. The Lakers are back on the floor today in El Segundo, their full, first full practice since the death of Kobe Bryant, uh, first real basketball activity after Tuesday night's game against the Clippers was postponed. And uh, you know, we talked to Bill Orem, Andy, from The Athletic, who covers the Lakers, about these these sort of these these questions about like what do you do like the, the you have to you don't want to ask the questions about the mundane basketball stuff but the mundane basketball stuff is going to continue you have to draw up a game plan for Friday you have to draw up a game plan for Saturday in Sacramento against Luke Walton and the and the Sacramento Kings I mean that's going to be an emotional night no question uh, about that as well you have to think about the trade deadline. All of these things are still coming, and it's 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 true of Kobe Bryant. It's true, of, you know, when some a non famous person dies, but that family has to figure out like the stuff you have to do. You still have to do. But that's why I think actually this game on Friday that they're going to be playing against Portland is really important, just because it is the first step towards normalcy, and like you're put now in this position where. You're going to start doing the normal parts of your life again for all the different members of the Lakers organization, from players to the front office to the people who do the the behind-the-scenes stuff, the media relations people. Everybody is going to start regaining that bit of normalcy. Mm -hmm. And that bit of normalcy is the first step towards eventually, you know, functioning again the way that you were. And like you said, it's a it's there's a new there's a new normal now, and it's a crappier normal, and sure, it's a but, lesser but you still normal, to, you but it's still, still discover, what it is. Well, yes. Right. I mean, you have to discover what the new normal is and how you function in that. Like, it's it's really important. And, you know, the, the season that is going to be happening for the Lakers the rest of the year, like, the these questions matter. You know, like, we, we've spent an entire year talking about, you know, Kyle Kuzma and, and how... Does he really fit on this team as the theoretical third option? You know, a lot of the year, to be honest, it has not been working. Should they be looking to make a move? Though Those questions still exist. They can be looked at now through a different context in terms of the chemistry that was already really strong in this team 
and the solidarity right, that you, made, does this change? Right. Like, look, what you do at the deadline. The solidarity that may be necessary moving forward from this could be ultimately the thing that makes you decide. You know what? We keep this team intact. And and you know this is you know Bill and talk, they'll know better than anybody. Bill talked about the 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 position that Rob Palink is in, not just losing you know this icon of the franchise or a former client or whatever really his best friend and then turn having to turn around and decide how losing your best friend impacts critical decisions that you make about your roster and do you go to the team and you ask like because you can't always ask the team sometimes you know the job of the general manager say you know what I, i i know what the team thinks i know what the team believes but teams believe things for certain Look, man, reasons. I, 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 I need I need to fill a hole, or I need to create. You know, when I, when to have to do that in this context is just you know. And we we you know we've yeah we've we've been critical of Rob, and we've been you know I think you know, praised him at other times, whatever. But we, and we've teased him about some of the the Palinkaisms and stuff like that. But I mean, I wouldn't. I, I envy nobody who would ever. I, it's hard to even think of a of a comparable. Like equivalent to being it, in this position, it's, it's awful. It's horrible for Rob Palinka, and obviously, like our our sympathies are there with him because it's just terrible to have to do your job in this context. But like you know, the, it, I was thinking about you know all the different interactions over the years that you and I have had with Kobe, and just you know the the time that we had spent around him, and some of the things that stood out. And one moment that had actually come to mind for me that reminds me a little bit of what. You know, what you were saying about the idea that the general manager sometimes, the front office, has to make moves where they don't consult the team. Uh, The day after Lamar Odom was traded to Dallas, Kobe was mad. Oh, he's livid. He was mad. And when we did media the next day, because I think it happened, if memory serves, right before camp opened, like right before Mm -hmm. media day. And, you know, there's the usual massive scrum around Kobe. And I assume it was Jim Hill because Jim always has the first question, you know, asked him about this. And Kobe made it clear that he wasn't happy. And there was sort of this awkward silence. And I asked Kobe, and I I phrased this a little bit awkwardly, but, you know, just that he looked like he was waiting for the next shoe to drop, meaning like, you know, something else better be coming. Yeah, something else better be coming. Like the organization, obviously, is something coming. And Kobe looks at me and goes, don't anticipate my thinking. And I was like, okay, well, I'm, I'm telling you the way I would be thinking about these. Well, that's you. And he was mad about it, but it's another example of sometimes you have to do these things, even if the team doesn't want it, because you it's your job to make that call. But but the, but the but off- figuring out what the it's so like in different circumstances, like there might be guys in the locker room that want Kyle Kuzma there, or gone, whatever, in, in like think you can improve whatever. But in, in trying to make those decisions in this context, look, I'll take it a step further around the league. Do you want to be the general manager who has to approach Rob Palinka about a trade? Oh, God. I didn't even thought of that. That's incredibly awkward. A, a, like the idea yeah. of I'm going to start negotiating with Rob Palinka, looking if possible. You know, anytime you do a trade deal, you are look, you're not looking to screw people over. But you, no, but you want looking, the best deal for yourself. You're, you're, you're looking to put the screws to people if you feel like you have an advantage. Like that, that part of it's going to be awkward just, for everyone around the league. It's it's the, it's it's, a, it's, a, it's these are all examples of the way that this real life thing impacts things that are less important, and we we all understand that. Like everybody understands, perspective wise, none of this matters in the same way. But it doesn't become unimportant, and you know, 
the less important things are still important in our lives. It's why we, why this station exists because people care enough to talk about it. Um, so we'll, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll look a little bit more at what's coming for the Lakers. Take another quick peek or two at the Super Bowl. Get you ready for Sedano and Ramona Shelburne at the top of the hour. Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky, 710 ESPN. No, share now. <laughs> no, I think I'll wait. Um, Kamenetsky Brothers, 710 ESPN. The the balance here of like what what you feel and how you how to move kind of moving forward to what pace uh, when's it okay to talk about this and smile and you tell stories and this and that and whatever. It's so it's so complicated because you know, you say you do you count days. Okay, so it's been three or four days, Andy. It's been, you know, a week, it's been whatever. And there are all these things that kind of tug you back. Like, and so, you know, we have been trying at the station to sort of mix in uh, reminders of the of the happy times and this and that and, and so on. But if you happen to watch last night, uh, the Laker game, was, uh, you know, between you know, the Lakers and Clippers was scheduled to be the featured TNT game. So Ernie and Shaq and Kenny and, and you know, all the, the whole crew was at Staples Center for the game. And the game was postponed. They stayed and did a pregame show. They were at half. They did postgame. And it was some of the most you know compelling and, and gutting television I, I think I've ever seen. Shaq speaking at length about you know his relationship with Kobe, about the value of communicating with people, um, about telling people what you think in the moment because you don't know. Um, all of these things. Jerry West coming on and, and you know sounding like a you know, and he said it multiple times. I wrote about it on the athletic. He talked to Sam Amick about it, to Jim Hill about it. Like he's a a father losing a son, father burying a child. Um, you know, Steve Nash, Candace Parker, all these people talking about it. It's like and that brings you right back to that that sorrowful place it, it's 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 such a difficult thing to there's no wrong answer or right answer but it's 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 just something that kind of struck me about last night and watching that that broadcast you know i mean every, everybody doesn't react to this at the exact same time you know i mean like the the reactions are presented in ways that are staggered so we, we may be feeling like we want to take some of the conversation to a certain place but then you get reminders of other perspectives mm-hmm. from people like Shaq and Jerry West, who you know obviously knew Kobe better than we did. Obviously, that you know that relationship is like deeper, and we can't help but be moved by their remembrances. Well, it's, it's funny because, like I, you know, I, I've been I, a lot of people have reached out to me, and you know, I don't know if it's I, I was around Kobe for a long time. I did not know Kobe on a like a personal level in in any way that was that i would claim you know and but people have reached out because they understand the impact the different things like you know the the thing that l duncan put up yesterday on espn the the whole hashtag it's turned into a hashtag girl dad thing which is really awesome to see like different things hit you in in like you say in, in different ways for different reasons you know somebody asked me how are you doing you you knew kobe as well as anybody i know but I didn't know him that way, but I knew people who did. And you see the sadness of the people who you do know and their sadness or just the sadness of 
teenage girls, you know, three teenage girls, 13 years old, so much in front of them. And you recognize those feelings as a parent and, uh, and just as a human being. You don't have to be a parent to be saddened by it. The touch points for what makes a person sad, it doesn't have to be that I knew Kobe or Kobe meant, you know, represented this to me or, you know, it. it's just so impactful that it brings up so many different things that get you thinking. Well, I mean, what I've been doing a lot of, I mean, because obviously when the news hit, it's incredibly sad. I mean, it's gut-wrenching for Kobe. It's gut-wrenching for his family. It's gut-wrenching for all the families involved in, like you said, the ways that people will inevitably personalize this because it's not actually that hard to find ways that you can relate to that crash. I mean, just because of the, course the different, not. it's not sure. hard at all. And, you know, you and I have been in a lot of ways kind of neck deep in this in terms of writing about it, talking about it on air, thinking about the next day, you know, what are we going to be talking about or writing about? Like you, you're around it a lot. And I've been, I've been really making a point of trying to remember a lot of the stuff it's either funny or quirky or just interesting about Kobe because you and I, over the years, one of the things that we've always hit on with Kobe that we really enjoyed in covering his career was just that he was so interesting and so different and so unique, like as a person. It was, it was like you don't realize thinking about this last night, like you don't realize how much of your professional yes, life that is was something just I've thought about a around lot. Kobe. Yes. It's like, Okay, is Kobe and at the time you're so sometimes you're just like, oh yeah, god, it's like, is he like he is could Kobe be exhausting to cover if he says this? Am I going to have to write for the next yes. four days if he does that? When, gonna, when yeah. Kobe went on the radio tour when he demanded that trade in the summer of 2007, I'm not exaggerating. I was locked essentially in my office in in my house for like a. And day to two let's days. not overstate what the office was. Well, okay. it, was it was a one bedroom sure. apartment. <laughs> but, you know, there was no office. Hey, I mean, the that, office that was side, my one bedroom. That one bedroom side apartment. of the, like you got a secretary. No, um, <laughs> my calls. That Deborah, side. <laughs> that side. Cancel of, everything, Deborah. Kobe's on the radio. That side of the bedroom was my office. Right, and I was chained into my <laughs> office it was, for like two days. You, know, there, you try to drop in, sort of almost like a Ramona style humble brag when she's like, you know. Uh, uh, you know, mentioned the pool or something like that. My office. Well, it no. was my office. It was a desk. <laughs> that desk constituted which, my which office. Also, was your bed? <laughs> no, 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 no. Fold, no. It was a Murphy desk. I did not. You folded it up, and there was a mattress underneath. <laughs> I did not sleep in my desk. I absolutely no, no, no. Did you not. did not sleep in your desk. You slept on it. No, no. I had a separate proper bed in what was ultimately a very large one bed. I had a hammock. <laughs> it was a pretty large it was one a bed. Hammock, but. But the point being, I like didn't leave my bedroom slash office slash house for like uh, two days, and those- which was, as it turned out, a storage unit. <laughs> yes, it was a it was a low part of my life. I, we weren't I, being paid that well. I, I did not actually ask the guy running the unit for the keys to my unit slash office slash house slash apartment for like two days, but like it. Those were periods where you're like, oh, my God, this is exhausting. And that that was a part of covering Kobe. Like, it was maddening at times. It could be mm-hmm. exhausting. It could feel all-encompassing. But it was always interesting. And, like, I was just thinking about, you know, elements like he was this amazing purveyor of facial expressions. Like, you think about, like, the death stare that he gave to Mike Brown or the jaw jut or, like, all these different things that Kobe would express just 
through his face. Like, he could have been a silent film actor, yeah. like, back in the day. Like, he had this incredibly expressive face. And, like, if you were somebody that enjoyed reading body language, you could just make an entire game out of watching Kobe's face yeah, and his he, reaction he had to things. hiding disgust. No! Yeah, it was not. It was not. But like you know, but the, the, but that's what in part what I mean. One of the zillions of things that made it so interesting. Yeah, and, and and a challenge. And you know, we talk about how a lot about how Kobe demanded his teammates be better and do better and work harder and all these other things. He demanded the same of the people who covered him. Yes, and you know, good God, asking Kobe a dumb question, particularly on the wrong day, it was that was not fun. Like it was, it, you know, we like it, it was pictured like on a daily basis, like the thing that NBA reporters go through now in the finals. Something, by the way, I am not prepared for after like seven or eight years of being out of that. Like what it is to like have to do the question where you know America is watching. And you have to announce your name and the social media thing. Like if you ask something stupid, it's going to go viral. Mm-hmm. I'm not looking forward to that because um, there's a good chance I'm going to do it wrong. But like Kobe was like that, like kind of daily. But if you if you asked him a thoughtful question, particularly late later in his career, when his relationship broadly with the media kind of softened a little bit, if you asked him a thoughtful question at any time, really, you were going to get a thoughtful answer. And, and the other and thing, that was a challenge to us to, right. to, to, to do that. And the other thing, too, I mean, like you said, if you asked him a dumb question, he would let you know in ways that were not ambiguous at all. And sometimes it was deserved. But there would be other times where you would ask, I think, a good question that he just didn't feel like answering. And you'd have to push back. And then you'd push back and he eventually answer the question and he would respect that about you. I mean, you and I, something we always noticed with Kobe is that he kept mental notes about all the people covering him and the people that he thought asked good questions, the people that he thought asked bad questions, the people that he thought were basically just phoning in their jobs. And he kept track of it. Yeah. Um, so it's just it's, it's all of that stuff that you think about and there's no wrong way. To approach this, and no wrong way to internalize his life, his the, the the ups, the good stuff, the bad stuff, all of it. Um, so uh, we'll look a little bit though at what happened yesterday in El Segundo and and what's coming for the rest of the week. Um, and also George Sedano, Ramona Shelburne coming up at the top of the hour. Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky, seven ten ESPN. So Raj, you're a, you're an uh, an aficionado of squares, correct? I'm talking to you. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was talking to Jorge. He was coming up later. George Sedano. That's all right. Yeah. So, what do you say about the squares now? George is a plenty in that in that in that studio. You're an aficionado of squares. What are the worst numbers? Oh my goodness. That you can be left with when you you know after putting your thirty bucks or whatever. probably the ones I get left with almost all the time. Um, a three is not fun. Well, three is thirteen. Yeah, like, okay. You get to thirteen. That's so a bad, two. But, All right, let's say it. But a two. two. But yeah, two's terrible. Two's horrible. You need four field goals. Uh, six you can have, but that's not uh, very likely. Uh, you I, could I, have a uh, eight early is not good. No, but you can have a twenty-eight. You can have an eighteen. But I typically don't like a two. A two is the worst. I think I can two see. is the worst. Yeah, two is the roughest. Like it, over the because, like you said, over the course of a of a Super Bowl. The value of those squares are fluid, and mm-hmm. they can change. But two feels like, in the aggregate, the least useful it always of feels, all of them. I'm sure somebody's done the math on this, but it always feels like two. You need somebody to miss an extra point and get a safety. Like, that, like you need weird things. Nine isn't strong. No, nine is not a strong not square. Nine isn't strong. And I know you can have a touchdown and a touchdown two-point conversion, but a five is not. How many times do you see 25? 
That's not good. Fifteen. You know what I'm saying? You can no see good. 35, but that's going to be a lot of scoring. But you don't see 15 or 25 very often. So, and obviously, you don't see five very often. And so. what what's the uh, what's the over under on this one? It's 54, I believe. 54 and a half, if I'm not mistaken. Oh God, that's a good number. I don't know what the what what's the right side of that. That's hard. Well, like they're I said, good you, at this. You have like a you know the offense versus the defense. Two strengths of two teams. Um, you have one team though. If if San Fran wins the game, you got to imagine they're going to be running the ball a lot, which means the clock's going to be running a lot, which means lower scoring. So I would actually put it at who do you think is going to win the game? If you think San Fran, you take San Fran in the under. If you think KC will win, obviously there's going to be points scored. You take the over. I think it's going to be KC in the over. Okay, that's how it feels to me. I think it's KC in the over. I and I I also in part I think I'm rooting for what sounds like the most fun result. I think the most uh, fun result is KC in the over. Absolutely, especially for a party and hanging out. Well, in the, the only this, thing I you know, but the the thing I worry about with that though is if you get if you get KC in the over, it means it's more likely to be a blowout or more likely to be you know kind of a runaway game. True. So and you're like if when. If everybody thinks Jimmy Garoppolo sucks, then if Casey gets up by 14, I can, you know, leave. I can go watch something else. I don't want to do that. I want Kansas City. It's much more likely that Kansas City's in it the entire time if if San Francisco is kind of controlling the ball. They're up yeah, and then KC will be one possession away. Right. Just, you know, I want like that. The, yeah, but like, I mean, but if I San- want the scenario where where Mahomes has to go against that defense on a last possession. To win the game, but I mean that could still happen with the over. But the problem with the under is it starts making me think that San Fran—they're just keeping everything on the ground, chewing up clock. I don't want why, that in why a Super do you Bowl. Hate Raheem Mostert. I don't want that in a Super Bowl though. I want back and That's forth. That's a great man. story. Super Bowl MVP Raheem Mostert is a great story. He's who grew up surfing and who grew up surfing in Florida? Did you know that? I did not. Like, why did you he, look at me like that? Did he aspire to be a professional surfer? I don't know about that. Why can't we surf? You looked at me in a strange way. If I would have said uh, Bosa grew up surfing, you'd be like, oh, yeah, that's great. Yeah, I know, Raj. I said, well, I'd say he's a little big to be a surfer. Right. <laughs> to be honest, that's a huge surfer. It's, I, I don't expect any of these guys to grow up surfing anywhere. Well, he lived in Florida, and apparently he surfed growing up. I mean, up. I didn't know he lived in Florida. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of this All mystery I know about the guys, he's played for like 17 different NFL teams. Well, that means a lot of people liked him. That he's line, he's the Ryan Hollins. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> just when yeah, Ryan yeah. Howard thought he was safe. He's the he's the Hobo Hollins of running backs. Hobo Monster. Except he's got a, the opportunity to be a Super Bowl MVP. Ryan Hollins never had that. No. True story. What were you going to say? I have no idea. Okay, you were starting a sentence, and then I made a, another Rocky <laughs> Mostert joke. <laughs> so official pick, so you're taking oh, KC. I, and yeah, I was right. saying I, I don't want to see – the Niners on the ground chewing up clock. Like, that's not an exciting Super Bowl. As much fun as it was to see that, you know, Mostert and those guys go ham in one game, I don't want that for an entire Super Bowl. No, but I just feel like it gives you the most exciting fourth quarter. I'm going San Francisco. But I will say, and part of that is related to the fact that I always uh, pick the I mean, if you believe in Jimmy G so much, if you think that he's underrated, why don't you believe it can be an over because Jimmy G can keep oh, up? I absolutely think if, if needed, you can put the ball in Jimmy G's handsome hands uh, connected to that handsome face, and he's going to lead the 49ers down the field. And there are a couple games where, okay, the, the big defense faced the offense. Let's say the uh, was the greatest show on turf when they faced Tennessee Titans, right? Yeah. When it in, Titans kept it close by playing defense. Rams went at the end when Peyton Manning the first time through with Denver, that high-flying, like almost 50 touchdowns. They faced Seattle. Seattle won. The defensive team won. But the way they won, I liked watching it because you're like watching like, wow, look at this defense team. When the uh, Patriots the first time through faced the greatest show on turf the very next year after the Titans, Patriots 
Patriots won. Yep. That was an exciting game. It, it is exciting, though. But the difference is, though, those Colts and Patriots offenses you're talking about, they're not video game like this. I want to see the video game. All right. You want to see the show? I do. I want to well, see so, the show. If you, can tell, if you tell me that San Francisco will be able to keep up, give me the show. But I don't, I don't want 24 to you know, I don't want 27 to 10 at halftime where you're sitting there going, well, if the Niners do this, that, and whatever, they because you know they're well, not. There's also, no. though, there's going to be the drama, though. If Casey gets up huge, there's still going to be the drama of people expecting Andy Reid to blow it. They're going to be expecting Andy Reid to do something to mess this up, fair or not. Guys, I'm really looking forward to Monday when we can really dive into where Andy Reid ranks among the great NFL coaches <laughs> of all time. Plus win! I want to, I want to dive into it. I, I want a definitive list on Monday about Andy Reid, George, because this oh, is Oh, the takes will be hot if they lose. Very important. Um, I, I just I, – I hate – I hate that it's coming – you know it's coming. I want him to win, though, don't you? Like, I don't have a rooting interest, but I would want him to win just to he well, can avoid all the, the nonsense. Guy, right, the guy's been around for a long time. And he's been a good coach. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say, he's been a really good coach. I mean, it's like what we've talked about with Clayton Kershaw. Like, just one World Series Agreed. would change everything with him. Like, it's if in 2017, example. the Dodgers end up winning, if the, if the Astros don't do what they do and the Dodgers end up winning, Kershaw could have the same issues in 18 and 19 and everything would be considered different. I, I also I just believe in people who make a non-ironic commitment to mustaches. Uh, George Sedano and Ramona Shelburne are yeah. next. Yeah. 710 ESPN. See?